This is the CX Insights Rockstars Podcast. And this is your host, Dr. Frank Buckler, founder and CEO of CXAI. Let's rock this show. Welcome CX Insights Rockstars. Today we have a very special guest, Tabitha Dunn. And her topic is make CX surveys useful again. Tibita is the chief customer officer of Ericsson. She has successfully built five global customer experience functions from the ground up and is speaking regularly as a thought leader in customer and employee experience. Tabita has, is passionate in driving major cross-functional initiatives, CX and EX program design, actionable insight development, market research, and the list goes on and on. And her track record shows strong quantifiable results. So that's why I'm honored to have you here. Welcome, Tabitha. Oh, thanks for having me. I always love to talk about surveys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, this, this uh, topic you come up is uh, pretty, pretty exciting. I'm looking forward to see what, what you uh, come up with that. But first, let's let's become personal. <laughs> I, I would like to start off and knowing what's what moments in your job actually you enjoy most. You know, I think this one's a little bit of a difficult one to choose because I I do this job because there's so much that I love about it, and I, I guess I would have to pick three things. So, so one is I love it when I learn something new and I get to apply that thing and, and really get to see it in action. So, for example, I remember the first time that I really got design thinking and was able to apply it and see it work. I was just, I love those moments. I love developing my team and teaching. So as much as I love to learn, I get a lot out of it being able to share with others and, and be able to teach. So I love it when they have that same light bulb moment and they're like, oh, that makes so much sense. And, and, and they get to go and, and apply it themselves. And then the third is probably a very similar theme. It's when you actually convince someone who doesn't believe in customer or employee experience, or maybe doesn't believe in the customer insights that you present. When you manage to convince them and they become bought in and they become advocates, it's such a frustrating process to get there. But when you do, it really is incredibly rewarding. What, what is the number one thing to make this happen, to get someone convinced? Just pick one. I would say that the number one thing is to really think about people who raise objections as people are actually only trying to help you make your concept or your proposal stronger. Much like when you go through, for example, challenger sales or you go through the empathy process and design thinking. When people raise objections, that's actually a great opportunity to learn and to bring them over. So the better you can listen and understand really what's the root cause of driving their resistance to either this insight or this change you're proposing, then you really have, you know, the ability to prepare an argument that will better bring them over to, to the concept that you're trying to sell them or you get to make your idea better and it will actually work better in the end. So I love that sort of objection handling and the ability to really listen and learn and understand what other people are thinking and feeling. Well, I, I, I put this on my list because also in, in many last episodes, we discussed the question how to get leadership buy-in, right? And that's probably one key part to be empathetic about the leadership yeah, and work with, with the objections, right? It is indeed. 
I find myself, I have this little trick that I use. I, when I present something and I'm passionate about it and the other person is resistant and they're all like, you know, I could, they're automatically have all these reasons why what, what I'm sharing is wrong or couldn't work. I find myself that I like, I use physical language in my body and I actually lean forward and I, I actually like, I like actively start to listen and I go, I have this little phrase. I go, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. Because it, I'm trying to turn off that internal voice that's raising up all these answers to them and why are they wrong? And it's because that's when I realize I'm not listening to them. And I have to write, how do I turn on my listening ears and be able to lean in to what they're telling me so I can better understand it? Wonderful. And we also need to listen to our customers, right? So we mm-hmm. <laughs> do a lot of surveys around the world, right? Which brings me to our topic today, make six surveys useful again. Give me a little bit of explanation of this thesis. Uh, why did you came up with this when I asked you what topics should be most interesting to talk about in terms of six insights? It really started for me that, you know, if you ask people, where did they get their start in customer experience? Like what part of the discipline did they start in? For me, it was insights. Um, and it was the, the opportunity to be responsible for the global services surveys for customer satisfaction in our division in Xerox. And it was where I really started to want to understand what do we do with surveys? What's the purpose of them? How do we actually use them? I've had a great opportunity over the years to work with um, Fred Reichheld himself and teams from Bain when we've implemented NPS at Philips and You know, I've worked with the teams uh, that develop, you know, how do we do customer effort score? So I have done surveys pretty much in every way imaginable from indexes to, you know, the basics of customer set and all the way through all the different types of metrics. And, you know, what I found is that one, most people think that anybody can write a survey. And I feel like if I had a coffee mug that would say that, it would say, Anybody can write a survey, but then it would have a little caveat and it say anyone can write a bad survey <laughs> because that's what most surveys are because it starts with, you know, the purpose of the survey and what are you going to do with it? And I have spent hundreds, probably thousands of hours of my life arguing with people about points on a scale. Is it an anchored scale? Is it a you know, fully anchored or partially anchored or just on the ends or, you know, all the debates about the survey design itself, rather than remembering, if you're going to ask for someone's feedback, then you are asking them to give you their time and you should make that time worthwhile. And that means you should do something with it, which means that in a survey, the best surveys start with every single question serves a purpose. And that purpose had better not be to build a graph because we want to show our trends over time or we need a dashboard or we need a PowerPoint. That's not purposeful. If I'm asking you for your feedback, I am genuinely going to do something with it. I'm either going to try and learn more about a problem we need to solve, or I am looking to measure whether we're actually making progress while we're actively improving that part of your experience. Otherwise. I shouldn't be asking that question. I shouldn't be asking any. And so often now, after hmm, 20 plus years of designing surveys, I look at any survey I get and I go, what exactly are you going to do with my answer to that question? Because it doesn't, most of the time, they don't seem very actionable to me. Yeah, that's true. I, I even remember a big company 
reading this verbatim of this customer. I, d I don't want, will tell you because you don't read this verbatim or this text anyways. <laughs> well, so customers know what's going on that oftentimes this feedback is wasted, not used, at least most cases not more used than a word cloud, right? Yeah, one of my favorite insights programs I ever built was at Concur. And part of it was because most of the time it starts like you get a survey and it comes from some generic email box. I actually changed our program and it came from my email and we read every single survey. And what was interesting about that is if you make it from a person, you'd be surprised how many people just hit reply and say, I bet you're not going to read this or whatever. I replied to every single one. I picked up the phone and called people I because you need to prove to them, I am willing to earn your trust. I am listening to your feedback and I will utilize it and I will act on it. And I know there was a lot of people going, you can't put your email on this, like on the survey, I'm like why not? It's it's coming from a person, from a team. Why shouldn't it? Why does it have to come from some generic email box? Very interesting, Tabita. So actually, the point is, any service should uh, have a purpose, all right? But now, how do you make surveys useful again? Well, I think one you should start with: how do you use your customer feedback today? And by that, you know, for every question, you should look at it and say, if the purpose of this is just a trend line or reporting, it's, and it does nothing else, you need to strike it. Every question that isn't actively used to actually improve the customer's experience needs to go. And then, you know, the second part is you should look at where you survey your customers along their customer journey. And you should only be asking them for feedback on the moments that matter most. And out of those moments, which ones are you actively looking to understand or be able to actively drive change on? If you are thinking about your overall relationship survey, whether that's net promoter score or customer satisfaction or some type of index, whatever your process is, those types of relationship surveys are really only purposeful If one, you're taking that key metric question and tying it to behavioral data and operational data so that you could start tracking towards, you know, likelihood to repurchase, retention, customer lifetime value. If you're not doing that work, then the metric isn't really serving any purpose other than giving you that same sort of trend line experience. Any other questions in the relationship survey should be doing that very first thing, which is identify what matters most to your customers. And that can change over time. And it's been my experience that when you gain customer trust, part of what you do that by is being very personal and relevant to their experience. The other part is telling them what you heard and what you did with the feedback. So for example, after years of doing this with Concur, I would be customers stopping me at customer events and saying, I have not gotten my survey yet for this year. Where am I in the queue? And I'm like, it's random. I don't know where you are in the queue. And they were like, okay, well, I just wanted to make sure I hadn't missed it because we not only actively used that relationship survey to prioritize things that went into the product roadmap, initiatives we did to improve. We did an annual report we sent to all employees and all of our customers. And what we did is we said, here's what we heard, and here's what we did with what we heard. 
And we look forward to hearing from you again next year. And for multiple year initiatives that were really large, we would give the update. Here's the progress we made. And here's, you know, some of the big things that we're going to work on this next year. That was rebuilding their trust that this wasn't just some survey, but instead it was quantifiable, verifiable feedback that we could use to significantly drive change. And that makes the survey useful. And if you aren't making your surveys useful, then I don't know what you're doing with your customer's time. And when you're a customer and you make a, you have, get that survey, do you ever hear back? It's not very often. So the point is basically make, make it useful or scrap it, right? So as an insight manager, I would say, okay, let's make it useful. I would agree. But then eventually you need to be honest to yourself. At some point, sometimes it can't be useful because you don't have the handle in it to drive certain actions, right? So it's, that's really the trade-off you need to think for yourself, right? To should I really improve it or should I stop it for, for a year? Is, is this basically the... Yeah, I think you're correct. And, and one thing, you know, I think it sounds easy probably those of, a, uh, of the audience who are listening to this podcast going, well, sure, Tabitha, you make it sound so easy. It's not like that process of making your survey program truly insightful and actionable happens overnight. It is a multiple year journey and you do have to take the change in chunks. It's not very likely that you're going to be able to walk into an insights role and suddenly be able to wipe the slate clean of all the surveys and then just redesign them from scratch. You have to take a very thoughtful and measured approach to determine what's going to convince your stakeholders of what surveys really should do. And it is when you can convince them that that quantifiable feedback that really represents your customer's voice of all shapes and sizes can be used to not only help them get funding and prioritization to make changes, but also they get recognition, not just inside, but from customers that they made an impact then you start to build more credibility and you can tackle more and more of the survey program and redesign it. So what I'm also hearing is that building a, an inside program on CX inside program is not just one off exercise. You build a great program and then it measures it and it's always giving you this great insight. Actually, it is more of an agile procedure, right? So make sure it always is useful it gives you the, the top topics, but then deep dive on what actually pops up and just uh, make sure that what you're measuring is linked to real world objects like revenue, like customer value and so forth. That's what I understood. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes to build credibility, you have to find a part of the business that has a survey that needs to be redesigned and you find a way to make it more valuable for them. Service is probably one of my favorites because they usually have some type of survey process going, but, you know, the opportunity to redesign it to be actionable, service is almost looking for ways to reduce call volume and improve employee agent performance and so forth. And many of them choose the more traditional surveys that have what you're used to looking at, either customer SAT or customer effort score and things about the agent and maybe things about the process, if you can get them to agree to start to change even some of the survey 
so that you have actionable questions in there. Then you use that. You can start to replace the questions in there that don't serve any purpose except an ongoing reporting metric and you add value to them. Probably one of my favorites in services is, you know, there's this concept that if you can just drive customers to self-service, then that will reduce our call volume. And we'll all be happier, except that some customers are actually really happy to self-serve and you should have an effective customer feedback model to drive improvements in that, which means asking questions like, did you try to resolve this problem yourself before contacting support? Yes or no? No scales, just yes or no. Because everybody who says yes, those are all your knowledge base entries that need to be improved. And... For everybody who says no, let's take uh, our favorite password reset, for example. Um, If you prefer to call, the amount of work it takes to change human behavior who prefers to make the phone call is very difficult. And yet I piloted something with a service organization where I said, why don't you just put password reset in the IVR and support? They call support. And one of the things is push four for password reset. We did it. And a lot of people pushed four. Agents didn't have to do anything. It just carefully walked them through. What do you do to reset your password? People hung up and they were happy. It was so popular that the support organization moved password reset up to number one on the IVR. (laughs) And it reduced their call volume. And we found that out because we had one simple question in the survey. Did you try to resolve this question yourself or this problem yourself before contacting us? And then we looked at what was the tops for no? What was tops for yes? So it's that that ability to use feedback and marry it to actionable data that you can then go test and learn different strategies to say, how do we how do we make this better? It's it's remarkable how many times customers will actually be much more happier as a result. A wonderful example of actionable surveying. Davida, we are close to the end already. Uh, very insightful. What question would you have asked if you would be me? Hmm. Oh, wow. That is such a difficult question. I I suppose that I would say that, you know, I would ask what is the hardest part of getting um, people to be willing to change? And what could all of those in your audience who run insights programs or are part of an insight program, what could they do that would make them better at getting people to change? How would you answer this? (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting. Um, Having had the opportunity to to learn and do hands-on and customer experience for many years, I now not only have, you know, that ability to teach my team and send them to training, I actually make everybody in my customer experience team go through change management certification. And the reason for that, and I particularly am a fan of the ad car model and pro-size capabilities, um, but in the end, What you need to do is teach your people how to understand what driving change really means. Because, you know, for those of you out there who are familiar with the ad car model, once you're passionate and you have an insight, you're really, you start right from knowledge. I am sharing information for you about the significant customer pain point and the opportunity we have to to solve it. And you lose all the sight of the fact that your, your audience, your stakeholders are stuck somewhere back on desire or even awareness. And so you haven't brought them along on the same journey of discovery and agreement and alignment and that desire to change, then you're going to lose out. But you can't expect people to just know how to do that 
just by osmosis. They should teach them. So go to change management, get certified, go all the way to the practitioner level. The more capabilities you have at professionally driving change, better you'll be at driving CX change. Wonderful last word. So the, an insight manager is actually a change manager. That is correct. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much, Rebida, for being on the show today. Was I learned a lot, and uh, I think the audience uh, did too. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me. This was an episode of CX Insights Rockstars. Join the CX Insights Rockstars on LinkedIn and keep on rocking CX Insights. 